0: All right. Well, this is our final lesson. I, you know, uh, hope that we'll have some time. If you have anything you want to follow up on, nobody emailed me anything. So, you know, that happens. People, you know, you, we're all busy and we all forget about these things. But if you have any questions, um, that you would like us to talk about, maybe send me a text while we're going and I'll look at that and I'll try to work it into, into what we do. Um, you know, all the cool places have a big text your question. Hopefully you have my phone number. You can just text it to me. Um, Josh is going to join me in a minute, and he's going to bring up situations, and hopefully that'll get a good discussion going. But I want to remind you about a few aspects of this forgiveness class. So first of all, I should say this whole thing has been based on Keller's book, Forgive. So Get the book and read the book. It's really, really good. Um, I don't know what kind of people you talk to on the regular. Josh mentioned to me that he was talking to a friend who heard Keller say something that he didn't like with regard to social justice or something like that. And so, therefore, anything that has Tim Keller's name associated with it is bad. Well, that's not fair. You know, I disagree with Tim Keller on uh, quite a few things, including the fact that I'm not a Presbyterian. And I think Presbyterians are the silliest of all Pado baptists I think if you're going to be a Pado baptist be Anglican or be, you know, something, Episcopalian. Don't be a Presbyterian. So I hope you can see you can disagree with somebody about some important things, but you can also learn from them that people are more than just a position. So if I hadn't really thought about that till Josh mentioned this friend the other day, if throughout the whole class you've been like, I don't know if we can trust this because it's got this guy's name connected to it, consider it carefully in light of the Bible. And I, I think he does a really good job of explaining what Jesus would have for us to think about. Um, the second thing I want to remind you of is the different um, steps of forgiveness, okay? Maybe you can remember them. There were three that we covered last week. So in, so remember, we're distinguishing between internal and external forgiveness. So internal forgiveness, three steps. Number one, identify with the wrongdoer, right? So they're not just that one sin that they committed against you. And you also are sinful and have been forgiven by God. Number two, absorb the debt refuse to make them pay, refuse to exact payment from them, to even the score. So you identify with them, you own the debt, you own the offense, you don't make them pay. And then step number three, this is the test of whether or not you've done the first two. Will they're good? Do you want them to experience good or not you know can you be happy for them when something good happens to them Um, or can you not are you cold-hearted towards them Um, do you have a posture towards them that wants to see their good now sometimes remember their good is going to include justice um, so we use this example with uh, with Rachel Den Hollander, Olympic gymnast, who was sexually abused. For her, she in the courtroom, she told this guy Larry Nasser, "I forgive you, and I hope that you come to repent of your sins and find God's forgiveness." And all of that's wrapped up in a courtroom where she, as a lawyer, is wanting him to see justice because what is going to be the, for that guy's good? for him to go to jail that's that would be for the good of him and for the good of other people uh, you know when you're when you're when you've been sinned against willing their good sometimes means that consequences are enforced so when your kids sin against you you know especially your little kids what's for their good is not to pretend but nothing happened or to let them do whatever they want. That's not for their good. Um, So we have to keep that in mind when we talk about willing their good. But I think the example I gave last week is maybe your parents were really not good parents to you. But then you see them treating your nieces and nephews, your sister's kids. It's like the best grandparents in the world. Can you be happy for that kid and for them that there's a difference instead of, um, harboring the bitterness of the hurt that you felt. So the three steps, identify with the wrongdoer, own the debt, and then will their good, okay? And then, so that's internal forgiveness. Internal forgiveness is a requirement. You must forgive. It's not optional. It's commanded by Jesus. External forgiveness or reconciliation, that's not always possible, is it? Um, Sometimes it can happen to a certain degree and not beyond that degree. Sometimes there is no reconciliation available in a broken world. Um, I'd say, you know, that, that sadly is more often the case than we'd like it to be. Uh, sometimes we just have to let go. And in that letting go, um, you need to entrust that to God and entrust that person to God. Because I think we all maybe have had relationships where we could force something or try to force something Um, but sometimes you just have to give someone to God and, and let, trust God with them and move, move forward, having internally forgiven. And if that person ever shows repentance and gives reason to build trust, there can be measures of reconciliation and restoration of relationship. You know, some, sometimes, it would just be ungodly for that to happen. So I think, kind of jokingly, um, if you were are really bitter towards the girl that broke up to you with you in high school, you don't need to reconcile the relationship. You you don't need to like become best friends with her. You're married now. You have you know just get over it and and trust that to God. But forgive internally. Anyway, these are some of the main concepts. Forgiveness is not dismissing justice. Forgiveness is not necessarily building the exact same relationship that was there before that external forgiveness may not be possible but in as much as it depends on you internal forgiveness is a command to be obeyed all right any any questions before josh comes up to talk with me about some of these things okay i'm
1: not sure if this needs to get turned in oh, oh tom that works great beautiful yeah, i got gotcha. you excellent well I'm thankful I get to ask Aaron all the questions on my mind. He's like, hey, no one's coming up with questions. I'm like, I can come up with questions all day for this. This is fun. Um, The
0: alternative was that we would sit here for 45 minutes. Right. Do nothing.
1: Well, I get to ask all the questions I have and things that I've thought of come up. And even as I ask these questions, feel free to ask follow-up ones. This is just, again, spark the conversation. Um, So things that I've been trying to think through of how to counsel people, I want to ask Aaron, um, because I I see this come up time and time again, but as we think through uh, the topic of forgiveness, I just want to think of these broad categories of where people struggle to forgive. And I think the first one that often comes up, Aaron, um, I I see this in marital relationships, I see this in parent-child relationships with just general friends, Uh, but how do I forgive a person when there is like no apology at all. Like, like, they don't see anything wrong that they've done. I've talked to them about it. I'm like, hey, uh, I think you sinned against me in this way. It really hurt. And they're like, no, I didn't. That's not a sin. Like, h- how do we work through forgiving that person? Because um, I think that's pretty, pretty common to Like, I don't think I actually sinned against you. And you're like, yes, you did. And we have like this, this conflict.
0: Yeah, good question. I'm not stalling on answering it. But Tim, can I help with anything? Okay, the one that says Josh on it, you can just pull that one down a little tiny bit. Yeah, there my you name's go. on there, huh? Yeah.
1: Oh, I like that. That's, that's how we know <laughs> how to use them now. Simpler. Sorry I'm for assuming being
0: Josh is the one that's loud. Yeah. Pull okay. Back. Good. Okay, so the question is, how do we? How can we forgive somebody who's not acknowledging that a wrong even happened? Mm-hmm. Um, how many of you have relationships like that where there's someone in your life where you you know that there's a broken relationship, they have sinned against you, and maybe, like Josh was saying, uh-huh. you've even confronted them over it, and, so, and they say, there's no problem here, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I think we have to avoid turning this into just an equation of just plug in everything into a formula Mm -hmm. and then life is going to be perfect again. I think the whole stream of this class has been, we're in a broken world where the fullness of forgiveness, internal and external forgiveness may not be possible. Um, So I think initially I'd want to say on the one hand, our internal forgiveness is still a requirement. Jesus says, if you find yourself having anything against someone, or if someone has something against you, stop what you're doing and forgive immediately. So I think you're still called to forgive that person internally, even if the external reconciliation, the rebuilding of trust, the restored relationship, even if that can't happen. And I I think we have to express that to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So you you can tell someone who's like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong here. Why aren't you forgiving me? Why aren't you trusting me in the w- same way that I did before? Leviticus, speak frankly with your neighbor about right, these things right. and just say, look, these are issues that have created a rupture in the relationship. And I forgive you. I, I am not making you earn something back, but we also can't have a trusting, functioning relationship until the wrong has actually been named, until we can speak honestly or truly with each other. Mm -hmm. So so I think on a basic level, that's the case. Um, I think depending on the context of the relationship, you have to get other people involved eventually, right? right? Because remember, Jesus said, pay attention to yourself, you know, then talk to that person. And if if they don't respond, then get one or two other people, and Keller talked about the purpose for having one or two other people, partly so that there's someone else involved to witness what's going on, but even more so for someone to speak into your life because you might be telling that person you've sinned against me and you're not owning up to any of what you've brought to the table. So you need accountability to see where you're at fault. And, and then, especially if it's in the context of a local church, I think there's that process of, bringing in pastoral um, counseling and mm, accountability. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if, if you're members in the same church and there's ongoing harm and sin, mm-hmm. there's a process of church discipline. Uh,
1: right. Any follow up on that? No, I mean, that's pretty much what I, when I was thinking through, I'm like, how would I? And like, I think that's right, what you were saying. The only thing I might add is just the humility factor that you were already touching on when you're coming to them. I'm not coming for you to do something. I'm coming in love um i just want this relationship restored sometimes we can come self righteously like you offended me i'm better than you know that type of attitude um it's easy to to when we're hurt to come across as very self righteously angry rather than humility and love and you, you touched on exactly that yeah so mm-hmm.
0: remember what keller said is mm-hmm. that and i'm saying keller said cuz it's coming from the <laughs> book he's just articulating what jesus said basically Keller says that you have to forgive internally mm-hmm. before you know if the other person is going to repent, right. because if you go to them and confront them without already having forgiven, then they'll be able to tell, and they'll know you're on a mission of self-righteousness and judgment, and they're going to be cold towards you and non-responsive. Mm-hmm. So I think um, in the sermon today, I want to talk about adopting the story of the gospel for our whole lives. How did God forgive you? What did we learn in Romans 5? While we were still sinners, before we had shown that we would repent, Jesus died for us. He owned our debt. Hmm, he identified with us through the incarnation. He willed our good. And I think that's, that's a key to not being the self-righteous dirtbag when maybe even you have a case to make. Maybe you are right, but if you haven't forgiven... Then, as Keller says, you're going to pursue vengeance, not justice. Mm, you're going mm-hmm. to pursue your right. own self righteousness, not reconciliation. Anything anyone wants to follow up on? I want to make sure we pause along the way. Right,
1: absolutely. All right. I do have many questions here, so we'll, we'll keep this flowing. Um, so, that was the first category. Thank you for that. Was, that was a great answer. Um, so, lack of apology. Second category, what about? lack of remorse. I think this is another one that we often encounter. They, they, they apologize. I'm sorry, but it's like, you know, they, they don't seem to be actually genuine about their apology. There's no remorse there. It's just kind of like, I just don't want you to talk to me about this anymore, so I'm sorry, whatever. But they're not like, it, it doesn't come across as what I perceive to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do I, how do I forgive in those situations where the apology is kind of like stale and stoic? It's kind of like duty-driven, like, I'm sorry, you know, you know, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, do, how do I forgive a person like that? How, how should I approach that situation?
0: Yeah, I'm sure none of us have ever just said I'm sorry <laughs> to get someone off, off our back, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think sometimes people tell us, yeah, I'm sorry. Or uh, one of my friend's dad would always use the phrase, I hate it for you. You know, he just <laughs> didn't really care. He'd just be like, hate it, hate it, hate it for you. Sorry, but that's life, just get over it. And I think sometimes when we are hurt by somebody, that's their response to us. Or um, not even in the biggest of ways, but I think in marriage and friendships, like we can annoy our spouses to death and sin against them in those small ways. Ranging from little inconveniences to just daily snubs to whatever else in our quick I'm sorry's don't really communicate that we're sorry. Mm, and I think mm-hmm. as you are saying previously, the, probably here the starting point is adopting a posture of humility and mm. understanding. Again, right? Identify with the wrongdoer. Um, how many times have I just uttered a quick I'm sorry just to get past this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, how long does it take for me sometimes to really realize how sinful that was? Sometimes being confronted in the moment, the best that I can do is offer a unfeeling, unmeant, I'm sorry, acknowledging that yeah, something happened here. So Mm -hmm. I think we want to start by recognizing, you know, we do that and more so that we can't really be truly the full judge of how sorry they are. Right, right. Because sometimes we can hear it and be like, okay, um, you know, this has never happened, so this is not a real-life illustration. (laughs) But, like, Kate, because you know, I can't be like um, Kate said that she's sorry that she, I don't know, did the thing that keeps annoying me, uh, that, that hurt that she keeps hitting snooze on her alarm and it's driving me bonkers instead of just turning it off. And she said, I'm sorry, and she's not sorry because she keeps doing it the next day. You know, it's, it would be wrong for us to lean into snubs like that mm. and count them as true injustices. Mm. So, mm-hmm. So I guess, first of all, what I'm trying to say is most of the time when people aren't really sorry, There's also not really an offense that rises to the level of injustice or sin against us. Most often, it's just an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Um, But what about those times when someone really isn't sorry? Where where they're saying maybe they are, um, or they have a pattern Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. momentary repentance, you know, quick adjustment, and then within a day, Mm -hmm. they are right back into the, the same pattern. Um so the the husband that's emotionally abusive to his wife he she she like confronts him and maybe brings someone else in on it, and then he apologizes in and changes his ways for a week, and then the next week he's right back at it, or is, you know, what do we do there? well i I think um, we don't settle for any. Uh, harboring of bitterness in our heart that would cut off their ability to truly repent so sometimes we can say you've you failed to repent rightly in the past so now I'm not giving you any more chances mm-hmm. so we shift into what, what Keller called the transactional model of repentance, uh, prove it to me and mm-hmm. then I'll mm-hmm. forgive you right. um, we can't slip into that, instead we must again, you know it goes back to this over and over again, we must forgive internally Um, identify with the wrongdoer, own the debt, will their good, and part of their good is going to eliminate all of the counterfeit forms of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, That Keller excusing, Mm -hmm. denying, um, weaponizing our condescending mercy. All of these things are out the door. While at the same time, we may have to suspend external forgiveness. We might not be able to pursue reconciliation. Or we may only be able to to d- the degree that they are permitting based on their repentant change of behavior. And I would say that's different in every single scenario. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. in, in those scenarios, I'd, I guess I'd add this. You know, I guess I'm just talking off the cuff here a little bit. But I'd add, if ever you're saying, okay, I've, I have forgiven internal, and I honestly am willing they're good, and I cannot extend external forgiveness because they're failing to repent. I'd say any time that you're making that decision, you, and you're doing it alone, mm-hmm. without outside counsel or help, mm-hmm. you're probably making a mistake. Um, you, you have pastors who are happy to right. talk to you right. about these things. There are other church members, and don't just find the church member who agrees with you on everything else in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say find people who can speak into that situation and right. let you know if you're withholding external forgiveness when right. God would want you to grant it. Or on the other hand, and this, is, this happens surprisingly often, if you are too willing to just throw out external reconciliation and setting up the wrongdoer to continue to hurt you or to wrong other people. Um, some people are way too willing just to s- pretend like it didn't happen. But again, that's not forgiveness. It's not speaking truly about what happened. It's not willing their good from God's perspective. Mm-hmm. So get other, I mm-hmm. say get other people involved. Yeah,
1: good. Any questions? Yep. Yeah.
2: There are relationships where there's, there's part of was to care for you, for you. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's that brokenness of relationship
1: mm-hmm. in ways, but it's that battle to
2: continue to. Because the internal forgiveness is a
1: Great question.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, how how do you persist in internal forgiveness when things are not the way they're supposed to be? Um, when your relationship with your parent is just insurmountably broken? When a pastor who is charged to like love and care for your soul actually used you to their advantage and deeply hurt you? Um, when um, a spouse who you 've opened yourself up to completely has mm-hmm. abandoned you, you know how how do you persist in ongoing internal forgiveness when the external is impossible mm-hmm. um, you're like you said, forgiveness is promised before it's felt it's granted and then paid out you know that's the the analogy that that guy gave of um, forgiveness is like buying somebody a gift on credit they've They are the beneficiary of that right away, but you keep paying it bit by bit, and you might until the end of your life, you know? Um, I don't think that there are any easy answers here other than continual recourse to the forgiveness of God, um, reliance on the Holy Spirit who pours out God's love into your heart and is your comforter and counselor to help you know how to navigate those relationships, but ultimately it's a call to faith, isn't it? To entrust that person in that relationship to God while still speaking truly about what ought to be without demanding that God give you what ought to be now. Mm. Um, That's hard, you know? I think probably, I, I know most of you well enough to know that there's some kind of relationship or situation in your life where you have to live with ongoing forgiveness knowing that the percentage of external reconciliation is just like, Amazon couldn't measure the percentage. (laughs) You know, like on football games where they give the percentage of completion of a play, Amazon would give you a percentage of reconciliation zero for whatever that relationship is. You're called to a life of faith and I I think that, you know, depending on, again, I'm just monologuing here, sorry for going on too long. I think that depending on the kind of relationship, one of the gifts of the church as the body of Christ is that virtually every relationship that you have can not be replaced by, but can be compensated for the absence of that relationship um, in, in the rest of life. Mm-hmm. So if you were deeply hurt by your father, think about the fatherly people in your church. Um, if, if you were deeply h- hurt by... Um, your spouse, who perhaps just is no longer walking with the Lord, or maybe they left you, abandoned you altogether. Um, You're joining a community of faith where singleness is not a secondary status, where instead you can have deep and meaningful friendships with people of both genders and of all ages. You know, so I think you can compensate for some of these things, even though we still should speak truly and say it's not the way it's supposed to be any follow-up or
1: things sure. you want to add? or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can talk based on experience too that enduring. I've always tried to turn all the pains I, I felt internally from those broken relationships that, that, that broke enduring that pain. It's, it's something else. It, it hurts terribly. And I've always tried in my, my mind to turn it through the Holy Spirit back to Christ and his sufferings, remembering that all the pains I'm experiencing, Christ suffered infinitely greater and the fact that I can participate in this fraction of pain that Jesus experienced for me. Turn it to praise and glory in Christ. Giving it to him like Christ, you know you know all the pains I'm feeling. I'm broken right now. But you endured infinitely greater pain. And I can't imagine what it was being separated from the Father for me. And just thanking him, praising him, turning that pain. That's the only thing that has kept me going in, in my life, my experiences. And really just connecting it back, back to Christ as much as he, It sounds almost trivial at times. But really asking the holy spirit pour out this power help me to see christ and his sufferings all the more even as i experience this brokenness um
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in a second I, I there's an article in october's mm-hmm. christianity today by this lady named madison pierce who was talking about um her suffering with chronic pain i forget i mm-hmm. forget the kind that it was mm-hmm. and, and she said that for a while in her high school years people would tell her think about Jesus' suffering <laughs> and it, 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 you can endure. And she would think, yeah. well, Jesus went to the cross in one day. Like, if all of my suffering could, I'd, I'd prefer that, what Jesus had over mine. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. she realized, you know, she then did doctoral work in Hebrews. <laughs> and she came to realize that all of Jesus's life, he was a man of sorrows. Mm-hmm. He, he left the glory of heaven to be the son of man
1: to walk
0: with sinners, to know our weaknesses. And it's, yeah, it it can seem trite only if you're mm-hmm. thinking in a trite way. Right, right. Um, but Jesus, the fact that Jesus was going to raise from the dead doesn't invalidate his suffering mm-hmm. any more than the fact that God will raise you to new life and set right, all things right, right invalidates the suffering you're experiencing now. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's a really good point. Matthew. Yeah, I don't know it's
2: question. Okay. Right. In so right.
1: Yeah. Can we come back to that? Yeah. That's great. Did you have a question, Lois? I just want to make sure we get to you before we change topics. Not a question, but, uh, yeah. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: and that's the whole basis of our forgiveness, Right. right. Because God forgave us, mm-hmm. therefore we can and must forgive other people. And how does God forgive us? Right. In an ongoing way. Right. Yeah, yeah, good.
1: good. Anything before we move on to Matthew's question here?
0: Cause it's a good one. It's a good and one. And it have, will take some time. It's one of
1: my questions too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> good, all right, just wanted to make sure before we went on, cause, uh, so your question, how do I forgive someone who, like, how do you counsel a person who's clearly a victim of abuse, yeah, exactly. of some sort. Like, yeah. would,
2: is that a situation where like, the re- reconciled
1: relationship is even really? Possible, crazy? right? Mm-hmm. Can I reframe your question slightly? Yes. So how should, I think, long-term abuse survivors of sexual assault, domestic abuse, I'm thinking like these horrific crimes. You're not gonna go tell a rape victim, go forgive the person who just raped you. That, that's, that's awful. Like, I think we all get that like, right away. But uh, I'll leave that to you so that, okay. that question refrain in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, we remember the, the three models of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There's the cheap grace model, which is forgive and forget. <clears throat> so if you're telling somebody, hey, this terrible thing happened to you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you need to pretend like it didn't happen. You just need to move on you you know, you might use the word forgive to describe that, but that's not biblical forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I suggest that most people, when they hear you need to forgive, that's what they're hearing. They're not hearing biblical forgiveness. So sometimes it's really unhelpful to tell someone what they need to do is forgive because you're speaking a different language. If, if you are using the categories in this class, you mean something different than what they're hearing. So, um, it's not forgive and forget. That's not forgiveness. It's, it's also um, a reminder, though, that forgiveness is costly. Mm-hmm. So calling, you know, Jesus still calls people who've been deeply hurt to forgive in the biblical way. And that's, that's costly to them. But it's ultimately the only thing that will free them from that hurt. So I think when we're looking at somebody trying to help them, someone we love and care about... When we're looking at it from the outside perspective, we know that if they don't forgive in the biblical way, they're empowering that hurt to travel with them through the rest of their lives to mm. shape their story and their reality. Mm. And until you forgive, you'll, you'll be in the, um, the prison of that hurt. Right. The doorway out of the prison is forgiveness. Now, again, you can't just tell somebody that because they don't understand And when people are reeling from Mm -hmm. deep hurt, um, they, they can't maybe process things. One of the reasons we do a class like this is so that next time you're offended by somebody, when you've been truly sinned against, you have deep in your heart the words of Jesus that say, when you've been sinned against by somebody else, pay attention to yourself. Because... It's not going to help you for me to tell you that, <laughs> you know. At least mm-hmm. not day one, you know, or or mm-hmm. your friend. Um, so, so I I want to say that person is still going to need to forgive, and that's helping them know what that looks like it will be very situation specific and will take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it will include educating them to know that forgiveness includes the pursuit of justice, the pursuit of speaking truth about what happened and not pretending it didn't happen or overlooking it. Um, But it will also include squashing bitterness. It will include um, not replaying those events in our minds to allow the hurt to continue to hurt. And it will require us willing the good of that person. You know, all of these things. But Mm -hmm. I just say Mm -hmm. that at a pastoral or friend Christian level, if the first thing you take from this class is anytime someone comes to you and they've been harmed by somebody, the first thing you say is, God wants you to forgive them right now. You're probably not um, taking from this class what I hope you'll take. I I hope you'll see that does have to happen. Hmm. But in the same way that we spent eight weeks to really get in our minds these distinctions between internal and external forgiveness, wrong models of forgiveness. It it might take eight years for that person to really be able to process these things, especially if they're unlearning cheap Christianity's cheap forgiveness. You know, the place that they might need to start is actually reconceiving the gospel, where if they thought, man, all Christianity is, is me just saying a quick prayer so I can get to heaven and get out of hell and God's job is to forgive me. Mm -hmm. Well, they're going to misunderstand forgiveness when they have to come to it. So all of that t- to answer your question in a non-helpful way is <laughs> don't just tell them forgive right now, but walk with them, speak truly right. about what happened, and then help them see that eventually mm-hmm. they're going to keep themselves in the prison of hurt. Right. Uh, there right. was Steve. Oh. You covered my okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, to 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 reconcile us, Jesus didn't just come die, right? Like you lived a full human life with us in the dirt, right? Mm.
0: -hmm. Yeah, I'd I'd just add you know, when we read the book of Job, we sometimes criticize Job's friends for like (laughs) giving bad counsel or something. But if you read it and pay attention, they sit with him in silence for seven days. And then they say true things, but for the wrong situation. They're matching truth and reality. And I think, you know, mm. sometimes mm-hmm. we have to learn mm-hmm. right. uh, suffering with people. We might think we've done it a long time, seven days, the completion, <laughs> the fullness of it. Well, maybe we need to sit longer, and then maybe we need to uh, mm. not just say true things, but right. work hard to match the reality they're facing with the right
1: truth. Mm. Yeah. Good. That's, that's a great answer. Yeah, patience, humility. Love it. Any other questions before?
2: I was just going to comment. I hmm And making sure that when you're counseling victims that you allow that time, because I think it happens more often than church can you like to fit. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I think that's really helpful. And it's a reminder that forgiveness is not a one-time event, but it's a process mm-hmm. that happens by degree. Right. And we get better at it as we go along. Mm-hmm. And if we're keeping it in mind, you know, using this uh, sexual abuse situation with Rachel Denhollander, part of forgiveness is the pursuit of justice. So if you want to see that person come to forgive,
1: mm-hmm. you need
0: to suffer with them, but then you also walk the path of forgiveness with them enabling them to pursue justice and supporting them in it. You know, think of uh, back using this Rachel Denhollander situation. I, you know, her husband supported her through Mm -hmm. that the whole time and her family did and a lot of other people did. Um, You know, and they had an advantage where they're both highly educated. You know, he's a mdiff student at the southern baptist theological seminary they have a lot of other resources at their disposal but they faced a lot of churches and christians who said you need to just let this go and stop talking about this so they would they were demanding a kind of punctilious, cheap grace forgiveness instead of actually walking with them on the path of forgiveness uh, so sometimes we just want to hear someone say those words mm. when what we need to do is help them take those actions right. and and yeah that doesn't include a heavy demand the kind of demands jesus reserved for the self-righteous mm. right um gentle and lowly with the lowly um quite a bit harsher with the self-righteous mm. uh mary joe and then ben Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a good question. How, how do you forgive without enabling mm-hmm. the person either to harm themselves or to harm other people? Mm. And again, I'd say you really have to get in your mind this distinction between internal forgiveness, where you identify with them and you absorb the debt of their sin against you and you will their good. And willing their good includes not setting themselves up to continue perpetrating the harm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means you call the police. Yeah. Sometimes that means you say, I've forgiven you. And what's best for you is for you not to be in my house anymore. You know, um, what's best for you is not to have access to my bank account to keep, you know, Mm -hmm. doing whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness does not mean bend over and do whatever the offender wants you to do. That's false forgiveness. that's pseudo-forgiveness. And people pretend it's forgiveness, and that person might even accuse you of not forgiving if you don't. But what they're doing is they're weaponizing forgiveness, mm-hmm, I'd say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if you're truly willing, they're good. From God's perspective, what would be good for them? Um, you know, in you know, husband-and-wife relationships, sometimes husbands who are abusive would say, wife, you need to forgive me and you need to honor me. Well, sometimes being honorable to your husband is helping him become an honorable person, which mm-hmm. might mean calling the police and not and getting out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the situation is, don't let the ungodly define the terms of biblical forgiveness and what righteous living would look like.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But also don't self-righteously think you can determine those on your own, right. you know, bring right. other people church in to help you navigate that. Does that answer? Yeah. Right.
2: Okay. She said those things to him mm-hmm. at the convicted Impact Statement portion of his trial after he been convicted. She wasn't saying that to him prior
1: to justice being served. She
2: And there there's an element like it can be easy to do red herrings of like we were talking about like simple interpersonal relational forgiveness and true like 50 issues, right? Like it's easy to talk about one and then someone applies that to the other and it it confuses the issue. Like in a situation like Rich and we're talking about serious abuse. Mm
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to say a couple things on that and push slightly against it. I, I think on the one hand, um, yeah, she, she has no reason to approach that guy when he's not in handcuffs. Okay. He, he, he was an abuser. Um, but I'd also say that we're called to forgive even if we, we don't know if repentance or justice will happen. And when she said those words, as you were saying, it's just the fruit of already working towards internal forgiveness and it's not the end of it. I don't know her, but I am confident that that was not the last day she's ever gonna think about that or have to um, squash the hurt and the bitterness and and the hard, everything. So yeah, I I I think, yeah, there are situations where you don't need to go tell somebody that, but the lack of justice doesn't mean we don't forgive even if it is a crazy situation or really uh, high, I mean, uh, yeah. Of uh, God, oh, sure. The, the yep, bread yep. Bread yep. Bread yeah, some... She's doing that whether he's in jail or not. Yep. Her expressing that to him as, as an
2: expression of her real desire mm-hmm. for his group probably could only really happen. That God,
0: yep. Right, yeah, right. Right. yeah, I'd say... Trying to force something like that is um, not godly, probably. Um, but sometimes it happens. And in those moments, um, mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. history, we have some remarkable scenarios where people have forgiven right. and extended that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head, but um, Jewish woman, deeply abused, you know, in every way in a concentration camp one of the soldiers who abused her came to faith, and he went to this, um, yeah, quarry Ten Boom, this event she was speaking at, and came up to her afterwards, and she froze the moment she saw him, because we're all physiological creatures. Our brains have, they get short-circuited, and, and she shook his hand, and she battled through forgiveness. Keller talks about this in, in the book, but yeah, I, th- I think there are good reasons not to pursue reconciliation, external forgiveness, but again, don't make that decision on your own. Um, yeah, good.
1: Any final questions as we end our time together?
0: All right, that does take us to the end. Mm-hmm. Thanks for engaging there. I know that there's way more to say and it, it's really tough because every scenario that, and every question, I know every question came with a real life situation behind it. The details of which you cannot share And the uh, response that I give can't be fitting for the general question. So even with these general responses, let's keep talking Mm -hmm. because the specific call of God on you or on the people that you're trying to help might not conform perfectly to the general responses given here. Um, But let's commit to pursuing costly forgiveness in response to the forgiveness God gave us. Let me just pray for us, and then we'll be done. God, we thank you that you have forgiven us. I thank you for the people in this room and uh, the people represented by them, and for their desire to live in a godly way, exercising true forgiveness, not fake forgiveness, um, and for the desire for these people in their own life, to see reconciliation where it's possible, and to see healing in lives of friends and family members. I pray that this class, these last eight weeks, will have been a resource that connects us more closely to the gospel and your love and forgiveness. And would you bring out of this class um, deep internal forgiveness in our lives, or it might have been lacking previously, Would you bring about a commitment to persevere in forgiveness enabled by your spirit? And would you give us the kindness of allowing reconciliation to be possible where maybe we thought it wasn't? Help us in all these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks.